hey, let me do this. I'm going to pray. And then um, Christine is actually going to, we're going to kind of tag team tonight. And uh, she'll come up and uh, we'll get started. So yeah, let me pray for us and, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, it's exciting to be together in a, a room full of parents uh, who are seeking to really to get equipped and empowered to, to, to thrive on the spiritual front at home. And so, Lord, we just want to ask um, that you would help us tonight. Lord, I pray for Christine and I that you just give us wisdom and discernment and, and Lord, really that your spirit would, uh, would lead us. And, uh, Lord, I think of uh, maybe a family that's here tonight and, and they're struggling. They've got a, a child that's really a hard one right now. And, uh, Lord, I pray tonight would be encouraging um, uh, to us all, Lord. So we love you and uh, we thank you and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Is this on? Yeah, it will be. Just trust okay. those guys. That's ah, awesome. Thanks for having me. You bet. <laughs> hey, I wanted to share this before we dive into our topic um, for tonight. This is from Exodus chapter 1, and I was reading this this morning, just kind of normal Bible reading kind of stuff, and, but I really I thought about this D6 crowd um, when I read this, and it says this in, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, and then we'll dive into our topic, but this is kind of big picture. What are we trying to accomplish as a church? It says this. It says, then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Now, that might seem like just a random sentence. Then a new king came to power in Egypt, but what's really behind this sentence is this, that there was a time when when Joseph was leading and the things of God were around, they were being instituted. And as I read that, and then if you read the rest of that chapter, you find things go way south for the people. And, um, and they're, you know, they're in, in slavery. All sorts of things happen to them because they're led in a godless way. And it just made me think about the whole thing of um, when we gather together, really what we're saying is we want to leave a legacy of faith. You know, We don't want there to be a gap. When Joseph was gone, a new leader came and was nothing like Joseph. And there was this big gap, and the people really felt that. And um, so anyway, I thought of all of you, and I just wanted to really encourage you tonight and just say, way to go. What you're saying is, by being here, you're saying, you know what? We want to leave a legacy of faith. We don't want our faith to stop with us. We want to pass that down uh, to our kids. And so anyway, just uh, wanted you to be encouraged by that. Okay, tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about bringing out the best uh, in your strong-willed child. Bringing out the best in your strong-willed child. Raise your hand if you feel like you have a strong-willed child at home. Anybody? Oh, everybody. Okay, good. This will be a good topic. Um, here's the story about how I, I came across this topic, and as Christy and I dialogued about it, we thought, man, this could be a really a helpful one um, for our, our D6 crowd. Um, I was uh, teaching in church maybe two months ago, and I, I told this story about how uh, we have one child in our home that has a stronger will than the other two combined. And I told this story about how I walked into his room at night, and, and he was, it was a long, hard day with him, and I was watching him sleep, and I picked him up my arms and said a few things to him. But I, and then I said, but I didn't want to like, wake the little monster up, you know? And, um, and so this family came up to me afterwards, and I thought maybe I was in trouble for the monster thing or whatever, calling my kid that. And, but they just said to me, they said, you know, um, we had a monster at home. We raised a monster, basically. And, and you know, we're, so now we're on the same page, but we're kidding, right? And, but uh, their point was this. They said, we, have a, we had a strong-willed child who was very hard to raise, very challenging. And so in this little 10-minute conversation, one, I felt very affirmed, like, oh, we're, we're normal. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, but they said to me, you know, there was one book that was really helpful to us. And, um, and it's uh, this book here. Uh, it's called You Can't Make Me, uh, But I Can Be Persuaded, and it's by Cynthia uh, Ulrich uh, Tobias, and uh, 
she uh, wrote, uh, just, it's a very good book, and in the first probably, I, I bought the, the audible version of it, and so I was driving home and uh, just listening to the very first part of it, and I thought, wow, she's talking about my son, you know? And, um, and that was just encouraging and helpful, and as we work through the book, it's, it's, been, it's, been, uh, it's been really, really great. So, yeah, anything on that? And what he found encouraging and helpful, me as the mom, I, when he told me about it, I put it on my iPod so that I could listen to it because it sounded like it was going to be really good. And my response was I teared up a little bit as I started listening to it because mm. I think we were so discouraged. And for some of you maybe that have experienced that where every day is hard and the days become weeks, become months. And it seems like some of the good days, they're just few and far between. And what was helpful in this book not only for our strong-willed child, but we've also found it to be helpful for mm -hmm. our other kids, too. So if you, you know, for me, mm -hmm. if I'd been in this room a year ago and listened to it, I probably would have thought, oh, those poor people. Wow, mm -hmm. let's just pray for them now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and yet, I think some of what we were experiencing, I just wasn't realizing were manifestations of a strong will. I just thought, is Naughty. he from outer space or what? Like, what is with this kid, you know? And it was so frustrating. And it has been helpful to have a context around it and a language around it. And yet, I've also seen there are principles that I need to carry, that need to carry over to my relationships with my other kids as well. So I think it's probably generally really, really helpful. And then maybe specifically even for mm. strong world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So three things kind of as we look at tonight. Um, the first one is that you'd be encouraged. We've said that. Uh, the second one is that you leave here with some practical steps. So we're going to try to pull out some of the maybe the strongest nuggets in that book. We won't cover the whole thing by any means. Um, but then the last one is this, and I really hope this will happen tonight, is that you'll be able to leave here with a sense that, okay, God has given me a gift actually in this strong-willed child. It's not something that I need to be ashamed of or it's not something that I need to label this kid as he probably will end up in jail. She will do whatever, you know. But you can begin to look at that kid and go, if I shape this child well, <laughs> I have thought that. Um, we, no, last year we were driving to Colorado, and we drove past a penitentiary out in the middle of nowhere. And we literally, I mean, this is so terrible. I was thinking it, and he said it, and I thought, oh, I'm so, anyway. We just said, oh, please, Lord, don't let our kid be that yeah. one who was in yeah. there. So, yeah. But we were just. Anyway. I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. But we do, the last thing is we really hope that you'll leave here and you'll go, God gave us a gift and God's going to use that. And this is a unique gift. And again, it's not a negative. Um, and we'll talk about that tonight, just how it could be a, a truly a positive thing. So, so with that, let me, uh, we're just going to give your attention to a, um, a video that kind of explains a little bit about the book and really sets it up. So yeah, take a look. Strong will in and of itself is a very positive trait. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to get that bad. And you can help clear the table. I think you can do it. You're not the boss of me. Ever heard that from one of your children? I'm the mommy and I'm allowed to say no. Remember that? Yes! 
As a parent, it is your job to be in charge, to be the authority. Sweetie, we're not getting a toy right now. You may have a child or two that challenges you for that position. Put it down. You can't force your child to stay dressed. You can insist your child sit at the table, but you can't force them to digest the food. What sets you apart is the true authority, is the fact that you stay calmly and firmly in charge of outcomes and accountability. Stella, it's not okay to scream. I don't, I'm not calling your dad. Sweetie, are you okay? Oh. <laughs> that child with strong will is going to change the world one way or the other. You did it. It was so heavy. that that video though is truly funny as if that wasn't your night tonight, right? <laughs> like your kid didn't do that, although they maybe did last night. I was thinking when we watched that yesterday, it was so funny. And yet when you're in those moments, like the one mom who was down and they were, you could tell it was not, that was more heated. And that is the struggle, you know, that you begin to feel so discouraged. And again, it's not one day is hard, but it's day after day after day, and it just can get so discouraging and overwhelming. And for us, finding or coming to the understanding of um, what a strong-willed child is and recognizing that that was Easton. Um, we, our firstborn child, Aiden, he's nine. Um, he is generally very compliant easygoing, sweet-spirited. You give him a shirt to wear, he couldn't care less. Is it the wrong size? He still doesn't care. He doesn't, he, he just doesn't care. Easton, if you have the audacity to choose a shirt for him, it's on. Like, you better be ready because it is on. And I think that for, for us, um, those battles were becoming more and more frequent. And even, um, I would say, the height of it was around the time that that couple told Jeff about the book. And we had some days that were so rough. And some of you maybe have experienced this where he woke up, Easton woke up in the middle of the night screaming mad at us still. Like, it wasn't over. He was, he woke up, like we had still, he, he remembered, he was mad, and he was ready to fight. One night he was up for over an hour just scream, you know, screaming mad, and there was, and I, when he'd finally fallen asleep, I was like, yes, we're done for today, and no, he woke back up and was ready to go, and it was so hard, um, but one of the examples that she gives in this book, I wanted to read because I thought that it was at the very beginning, and when I heard it, I just, I thought she said it so well, so here it is, um, she writes, Richard loved football, but he didn't care much for studying. By his junior year in high school, his grades were so poor, there was no assurance he would even be able to graduate with his class. His parents, it seemed, had tried everything. 
and this I think is important, threats, bribes, promises, to no avail. In desperation, Richard's father issued an ultimatum. Richard, if you don't get those grades up immediately, you can't play football. And this boy, who loved football as much as life itself, squared his shoulders, faced his dad, and quietly said, then forget football. And everyone lost. Richard lost what he cared about most, and his parents lost what they believed was their only leverage. And the reason that that story really hit me is I think a lot of us have been there. We've threatened, we've bribed, we've promised, and it doesn't work. And it can leave you feeling really discouraged. And I think what, what we find as we look through some of these um, ideas and thoughts are ways to work with the will that God has entrusted to this child and entrusted to us as parents to help guide. So I felt like as I listened to that and, and have worked through this book that she offers a better way, a better way. And um, even though raising a strong-willed child can feel discouraging, um, we have a quote from the book. I think they were going to throw up the first slide there. And she says this, strong will in and of itself is a very positive trait. A strong-willed person is not easily daunted or discouraged, holds firm convictions, and doesn't often accept defeat. A person using strong will in positive ways is fiercely loyal, determined to succeed, and often extraordinarily devoted to accomplishing goals. Yeah. I was thinking, um, just think biblically for a little bit. Um, I was thinking about David, you know. When I think of David, I think of a guy who probably had a very strong will. Um, think about this. As a boy, he approached a king, and he said to the king, hey, I don't like what's going on with the troops. You got a bunch of cowards on our side. What's going on? I'll step in. And, and I wrote down this statement. He said to, to the king, as a boy, <laughs> he said to King Saul, he said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. So you know, Goliath's there and he's taunting. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him, you know? And uh, now what we also know about David, and we can maybe anticipate this a bit with a strong-willed child, is that there'll be bumps, you know? Didn't David have his own? He had, you know, uh, an affair with Bathsheba. He, he murdered someone. Yet in the scriptures, it says, Acts 13, it says that David was a, a man after God's own heart. And so you ask the question, well, Man, he was also a murderer and adulterer. What, what did God see in David that was in that, in, as a strong-willed person, what did God see in him? And um, what do we know about David? We know his strength, the strength of his will. Um, also, David had great faith, you know, and there's no doubt about it. That was encased in who God created him to be as a strong-willed person. Um, but he also, he delighted in, in God's word. Psalm 119, he said, I love the commands of God. I was passionate about it. Um, I... I think of, though, David as a kid, he was a very, probably very stubborn child, very hard to raise. Uh, think about Moses for a minute. Um, think of the resolve of Moses. I mean, here's this guy. He had to lead uh, the Israelites for 40 years. They were very unhappy. They were very grumpy, but he persevered. He kept, kept going. Um, he had great resolve. Um, again, I bet you Moses was a pain to lead as a child, you know? He's a pain to parent. Um, so be encouraged by that, right? Cynthia put it like this. This is an, another quote. It's, she said, I often uh, remind parents of SWC, strong-willed children, that their children may change the world. After all, it's not likely that the world is going to change them. 
I also tell them that whatever seems to irritate them most about their SWC now is almost certain to be, the one, to be one of their SWC's greatest strengths and key to success as an adult. So be encouraged by that. When you think about the, the, maybe the characteristic, the trait that really, that, whether that's that stubbornness or that will of, I just want to do it myself, while right now that's a pain in your side, uh, remember, God, God can redeem that. God can make that person uh, really a world changer. Um, so it's hard now, but it, could be, it can be great. Uh, she went on to say this. She said, think about some of the great leaders and innovators in our past. Thomas Jefferson, uh, Marie Curie, Albert Einstein, Joan of Arc, Thomas Edison, and others. Each of these people, here it is, held up under adversity, stood up for his or her convictions, and persisted against all odds. They refused to believe that their dreams were impossible. So they lived with this sense of tenacity that, okay, life is going to bring this, but I'm not going to. So when you think about, again, when you think about your kid, think, okay, where's this potentially going to lead in a a very, very positive way uh, down the road? Um, Okay, before we dive into some of the practical stuff with kids, this was helpful to us. And so I want to share this with you. In this book, uh, Cynthia basically gives a test to adults, or you could even, you could run your child through this and ask the question, do I have a strong-willed child? But for this, for, for right now, I want you just to, to analyze you, okay? So I'm going to read these things. There's, uh, I believe, 12 of them. Yeah, 12. 12 statements. Um, and if, if they characterize you, just give yourself a point. If, if it characterizes you, point one, and just keep a tally of these 12, okay? So are you the type of person, yeah, everybody grab a pen, go ahead. Are you the type of person that almost never accepts words like impossible or phrases like it can't be done? If so, give yourself a point. Number two, um, are you the type that you can move with lightning speed from being a warm, loving presence to being a cold, immovable force? Some of you just looked at your husband. All right. All right. Did you look at me? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Number three. We'll move on. You, you, <laughs> you're already at 12. All right, that's good. All right, you may argue a point into the ground sometimes just to see how far into the ground the point will go. Number four. If bored, has been accused to actually creating a crisis rather than having a day without, a, a, without an incident. Your children like that? Or are you like that? Uh, next one, considers rules to be more uh, like guidelines. As long as I'm abiding by the spirit of the law, why are you being so picky? <laughs> Next one, shows great creativity and resourcefulness, seems to always find a way to accomplish a goal. Next one, can turn what seems to be the smallest issue into a grand crusade or a raging controversy. Next one, doesn't usually do things just because you're supposed to. It needs to matter personally. Next one, often refuses to obey unconditionally, usually wants to negotiate a few terms uh, before complying. (laughs) Next one, is not afraid to try the unknown, to conquer the unfamiliar, although each SWC chooses his own risks, they all seem to possess the confidence to try new things. Two more. Next one. Can take what was meant to be the simplest request and interpret it as an offensive ultimatum. 
I've never been guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Last one, may not actually say the exact words to apologize, but almost always makes things right. Okay, so how did you do? Here's what it means. Let me tell you your, kind of what it means. If you scored zero to three, zero to three, it would mean this. You've got a strong will, but maybe you don't use it much. Zero to three. Christina fell in there, zero to three, uh, which you'll think is funny when you find out what I am. Uh, <laughs> Four to seven, you use it when you need to, but not on a daily basis, okay? Zero, that was four to seven. Eight to ten, uh, you've got a very healthy dose of it, but you can back off when you want to. Eleven and twelves, you don't leave home without it, and it's almost impossible for you not to use it, okay? All right, let's just, for fun's sake here, zero to threes, zero to threes, okay? Good. You're pleasant people. <laughs> Four to sevens? Okay, good chunk there. Eight to tens? Yeah, 11 and 12s. Pain in the rears, yeah, all right. Okay, so here's the key question, though. Why does it matter? Why does this even really matter? Here it is. If you have a strong will like I do, um, you will likely be more inclined to bump heads with your child. So it's, it's just good for you to know the apple didn't fall far from the tree, right? It's good for you to know that going into conflict. Let me give you an example of this. Christina is much better in dealing with Easton, particularly since we've um, kind of, I think, kind of been able to analyze him a little bit better and we're working towards better solutions with him. Um, but she's much better. She's much quicker to take the right road with him. I, in my strong will... I'm upset because he's not being obedient, 100%, you know, that kind of thing. And so then my will for that, oh, I'm bound up in my own issues, right? And so anyway, knowing where you're at on that scale can be helpful. It can dial you back if you're a strong-willed person and go, okay, it would be wiser for me to watch how she does this with a calmer voice and to, to work in some of these things instead of just going at it the way I would normally approach it, okay? Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, launching into the next section here, I'm going to read another quote from, um, from Cynthia. She writes this, your strong-willed child will always keep you challenged. You won't have to worry about becoming bored or getting into a rut. There's something to be said for that, but life is too short to constantly battle with those you love. If you can begin to understand the inner workings of an SWC's mind, you may hold the key to her heart. It sure beats knocking down the door. And as, as we've thought about some of the ideas that she presents, we're certainly not up here saying, this book is the perfect solution to every parenting encounter you will have from this day forward, and we're the authorities, and we'd love to help you. Like, we are learning. We're not. We're trying to work this out ourselves. And it's certainly trial and error. I was thinking today, it's, it's like practicing. We're practicing on our kids what it means to be a parent. And sometimes already, you know, not already, but today, I think two or three times I have had to get down on Easton's level and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong in how I talked to you. Would you please forgive me? And I've had to be honest about some of the things that I do that elicit in him the responses that he gives. Um, we, set a bunch of years ago, before we had kids, we went to Colorado, and we hiked up Long's Peak, 
and there, I had never done anything like that. We didn't really know what we were getting into, and I'm glad we didn't die. But <laughs> every, I'm from Iowa. Where you hike in Iowa, there are trails, and you just like walk down them, and like tons of people have done it, and you can see clearly the trail is here, and you might get off a little bit, but you're still generally on a trail. This, you worked your way up, and, and once you got through the keyhole, there were these nifty little targets that somebody painted, like every, I don't know, a couple hundred feet maybe, and you just needed to aim for the target. And good luck is all I have to say. The entire time, I was like, I think I'm going to die. And how much damage would I need to do to myself for a helicopter to come and just get me off this thing? Because, I mean, I don't want to die, but I could break a leg, or I don't know. What do I need to do here? And it was, it was very intense. But my point is, these, these targets, there wasn't a clear path. You had to find the best way to get to the target. And I think in some of the ideas that we're going to talk through that are in this book tonight, while they're not your tried and true, this is the only thing that you should do, the only way that's going to work great, they've been really helpful for us um, in trying to get to some of the targets that ultimately we want to get to. And in a not as destructive and hard way. So I think that there are times where you can get your child to comply, but the battle that it takes to get there is so hard that you wonder, is this, is this a hill we want to die on? And is this the way we want to do it? Versus some of these other ways, if you just change your tack a little bit, it's surprising how differently they respond. So heading into some of the things that she, that she presents as ideas in thinking about how an SWC works. So if you're a strong-willed person, you might resonate with some of, the, some of the ideas that she presents. This book is really, really practical, so she just lots of times gives bullets. Here's what you should say. And so we're going to dive into three crucial truths about how an SWC thinks. And the first one is that it isn't authority that an SWC has trouble with, but it's how that authority is communicated. So... For us, that has looked like some of the tone, sometimes the tone of voice that I use or the way that I say something will set Easton on his defense before he even has a chance to think about what I said. So if I said, we're going to eat ice cream right now, he might say, no, we're not, I won't do it. Not even, I, he's not even going to run it through the grid of, the lady said ice cream. It's not about that. It's about... I said I'm going to do this, and I've given him no, no choice in the matter at all. And that immediately gets his defenses up, and he's ready to go. He's ready to go. So I found if I don't back him into a corner, if I, don't, if I resist the temptation to say this is what's going to happen, he is much more responsive. That's good. Number two is this. Uh, Strong-willed children don't need to control you. Uh, they just can't let you take all the control away from them. Let me give you an example. This is straight out of the book. She's talking about her son, Mike. She says, Mike, do you want to wear the red sweater or the blue sweater? It's cold out. Quick as a flash, he turned to me and replied, I don't want to wear a sweater. 
I had to fight the natu my natural response, which was to tell him that he certainly was going to wear a sweater and he better decide which one or I was going to decide for him. But I knew I couldn't make him wear anything. Would this battle be worth ruining our morning together? Swallowing my frustration, I asked him another question. Mike, what do you want to wear to keep warm? He paused for a moment. He shrugged before he stated in a matter-of-fact manner, I want to wear Daddy's sweater. Again, I thought my desire to tell him that uh, I, I felt my desire to tell him that that was totally absurd to put on uh, his dad's sweater. I asked Daddy though if Mike could wear one of his sweaters, and he agreed. My four-year-old, uh, my four-year-old SWC was almost lost inside of it. He looked ridiculous, and I wanted to attach a sign to his back that read, "My mother didn't dress me." <laughs> Instead, I tucked one of Mike's sweaters under uh, my arm, and we went about our day. It took less than 15 minutes for Mike to grow weary of struggling with that oversized sweater. Resisting the urge to say, I told you so, I casually asked him as uh, he continued to struggle in the sweater if he wanted to wear his own, and of course, he did. Uh, and then she makes this statement. She says, figure out as early as possible how you can voluntarily give your child some control over herself, even in small ways. Don't just give her the toy that you want her to have. Let her have a choice. If she's determined to walk up those stairs without you, stay close enough to ensure her safety, but let her take the time she needs to struggle up one step at a time. If she wants to carry a dirty, ragged blanket into church, swallow your pride and let her have it. Save, here's the key words, Save the conflict for the very important battles that you will need to fight later. Um, example with Easton right now, uh, it's been cold out, not this week, but um, uh, just a week ago, heading into Target, won't put on a coat, no coat, not wearing a coat. Now, I could have forced him. I, he's small enough. I could have gotten the coat on him, but it would have ruined the whole thing. It wouldn't have been worth going at all. Um, and uh, so I, I tried this. I said, okay. I didn't say okay even to him, just let him get in the car, but we grabbed his coat because I didn't want any other parent at Target calling the police on us, you know? <laughs> and so we carried his coat in. Now, strong-willed child, he froze. He was so cold. Everything in my strong will wanted to say, I'm going to pay for your doctor's bill, so let me rustle you down and get the coat on, right? <laughs> but I didn't do it. On the way out, he chose the coat, right? Again, the reason why we didn't go to battle on that one was it's just not worth it because we needed to take the trip, right? Um, so anyway, just picking, uh, picking the battles. Uh, yeah, number three. Yeah, the third, the third one is the quality of the relationship we have determines the effectiveness of your parenting strategies. So the stronger that your relationship is with your strong-willed child, the more that you can use that in a sense, as a bargaining chip with them. So Richard's example earlier, his parents felt like we have no other options, um, especially it, it sounds like in the book, as kids get older, um, this becomes a really big, a really big deal. But we've seen that with Easton still, that um, as our quality of relationship improves, as we're putting into practice some of these things, his obedience has actually improved. So I would say there's really a cyclical nature to this. Easton's been much more compliant over the last couple of weeks since we've been working on this. We've still had major meltdowns, don't get me wrong. But they've been less, 
we've been able to mitigate them and he's been more responsive and that's been so encouraging and it's helped to facilitate relationship between us. One of the big things that she, she really hits on is the importance of the relationship that the strong-willed child knows no matter what, you're still always going to love them and they are cared about by you. You're in it with them, you're on their team. I think too often we can feel like we're gonna fight. And and honestly, Easton, in my memory, and I can't I can't remember exactly how he'd say it, but basically it was I'm gonna win. Like it's it's about I will beat you both at this. I will win. And that can be so hard as a parent. But I think it helps to sometimes take a step back and say, All right, what's the point? What's the point right now in this moment? Is this a hill that I'm willing to die on? Is, you know, wearing a coat, is this a battle we should fight and try to win? Or should we let this one go and see how, how it resolves itself? Versus, um, we've talked about some of the non-negotiables as parents and respect and all of that. That Those, those are battles that we, we are going to fight. And we, we maintain authority while also saying there are times, frankly, that he'll push back on something that I've told him to do. And I think to myself, well, why did I tell you you had to have the blue cup? Use the green, big deal, you know? But sometimes it becomes my issue. Hmm, that's good. Um, next one, uh, this is just a helpful phrase. Um, uh, it's just, here it is, guide, don't dictate. Uh, guide, don't dictate. Um, that requires a little bit of thinking ahead. It requires you to go, okay, this is where our destination as parents are. How can I guide this child there? Instead of my reflex is just to dictate. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Instead, I look at Easton a little bit differently than the other two sometimes, and I go, okay, how can we, how can we guide you? So again, just that wording for me was helpful. Um, even this afternoon, just a, a little incident with him, I thought, okay, this is a guiding opportunity. How do we guide, not dictate? Because dictating doesn't seem to help very, very much. Um, okay, uh, we're going to go into now five, uh, she calls it this, five proven strategies to help you both thrive. And this is in the midst of conflict, okay? How can I turn conflict into uh, cooperation? We've only got five minutes left, so we'll fly through these. Um, the first one is this, choose your battles. We've talked a little bit about that. Don't make everything non-negotiable. So fight over things that really matter, Okay. Um, if everything you communicate is at the tone of, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, when your child runs into the street and you say, don't do that, they probably won't stop. But if you save those things for the most important things, there will be a response. Um, we've chosen to battle over disrespect, dishonesty, uh, home this afternoon for 45 minutes, and uh, Easton, Ashton was playing with a rock, a rock that Easton wanted. And so he went up to her, asked for the rock. She said, no, I'm just, I'm holding this rock. No big deal, buddy. And uh, she's five and, or seven. And, and he went back to, to hit her and he popped her. And uh, so that's hitting a girl. We're going to go to the wall on that one. So we went through a 20 or 30 minute long drawn out, drawn out disciplinary thing with him. Why? That's a non-negotiable. Um, so, but it's helpful to figure out what those are. Uh, at dinner time, and, and everybody's different. We were different with our other two kids on this and remain this way. Um, we uh, typically, our kids eat what's put before them, or at least we try to move down that road. 
uh, we realized every meal is going to be, we're not going to have any meals really together as a family because <laughs> I'll be with him in the back room, you know. And so now if he will try the food and he will politely ask for the second choice, which is a bagel or it is toast. He loves toast. This kid, I should take stock in bread. I mean, we're going through it. But the, so, it, so we're okay with that now, right? That's not a battle um, that we're going to fight. Yeah, the second one is lighten up, but don't let up. So basically, trying to use humor to mitigate a situation. One of her examples that she uses is to say, nice try, if a kid says something um, that they know they need to rephrase. For us, when we were driving back from Jeff's parents for Christmas, we were going to have to have dinner in the car, so we stopped and got a pizza and uh, Easton, I can't remember how he worded it, but it must have been something to the effect of, give me pizza now. And we said, you need to say please. And he said, I won't say please, which we tried so hard to reason with him. It is taking you more effort to say that sentence than to just say please. Like, that's all we're asking. And he screamed, fought kicked the chair, hit, would not say, just screaming. I mean, top of his lungs, screaming for the next two hours. We, Jeff, we stopped at a rest stop to try to calm him down. Didn't matter. So the entire drive, we were like, ah. but we didn't give him pizza. And he went, he would rather go hungry than say please. I mean, I would totally not do that. But, <laughs> but, but as I thought about that example, I thought, you know what? Now that I've read this book, I would have said, do you want to try that again? That's one of the things that she says. Just say something like, do you want to try that again? I've tried it, and he says, please, can I have the pizza? He's cool with it. I'm not saying that your child will be, but it is pretty funny how some of the recommendations that she makes work really, really well. And, mm -hmm. and I just thought, oh, the pizza thing wouldn't have happened, but mm -hmm. possibly. It's mm -hmm. good. Um, okay, next one, number four, uh, or three, ask more questions, issue fewer orders. Um, let me give you a, some, a list of, of questions not to ask your child. Why did you do that? When are you going to learn? Why can't you just do what you're told? What are you thinking? What's the matter with you? And then she says this, if you can't remember these exact questions, just remember this shortcut. Never use the words why and you in the same sentence. For example, I don't know why you can't just blank or why won't you listen or you can't even tell me why um, and then she gives some some examples of good questions uh, you just listed one Here, here's another one do you need help with that so in the midst of the fury do you need help with that or here's another one um, do you know why I asked for that uh, is that what you meant to do um, is that what you wanted? Again, it's engaging the kid at a, a deeper level. So ask more questions, issue fewer orders. Number four. Okay. Number four is hand out more tickets and fewer warnings. And I will be honest and say this is one of the points that I don't quite fully understand. But I think maybe because I'm not a strong-willed person and so necessarily. So... She says that um, a strong-willed child would rather just get the punishment and be done with it. So she gives an example, I think, of herself. 
And her mom said, if you stand on the coffee table, I'm going to spank you. And she said, spanking won't take that long, and it won't hurt that bad. I'd rather stand on the coffee table. So she did, and got spanked. Um, and I think for us, what it has looked like is we're trying to find more fitting punishments. So we uh, have tried basically everything from, sorry, soaping his mouth to timeouts where I stood on the side of the door and held the doorknob while he beat on the door. And I was like, you better not break the door. Don't break the door. You know, um, and I don't know who was having a worse time out. It might have been me, you know, because here I am like, come on. It was terrible. Or that, I mean, it's happened a ton. And I think what it has looked like is kind of restructuring how we say things. So, for example, something happened this morning. I can't remember what it was. And I said, until this happens, you won't be doing that thing that you want to do. So trying to flip-flop it. So now he's got some incentive to do, I asked you to pick up your clothes from, you know, your pajamas and go put them in the dirty clothes basket, and he doesn't want to. But if I say, until you do that, we can't go to the store. And he'll, now I'm not saying he usually actually doesn't like going to the store, but something that he does want to do, and he'll be more motivated. That's great. Last one is this. Make sure that your SWC always knows your love is unconditional. Um, you know, I couldn't help but think of the example of the prodigal son just that Jesus told. And um, what was the posture of the father? It was one of love, even though the son had committed all sorts of wrongs. It was one of unconditional love. And um, so the point here is even in the midst of it, and this is kind of how this plays out for us. And again, we're in the trenches on this. We're kind of shoulder to shoulder with you tonight. We're not ahead of you. Um, but for, for us, this is how it plays out. When we discipline any of our children, we try to end it with affirmation. So we end it with by affirming the fact that we love them no matter what, okay? Um, and then this, so, so affirmation after discipline, but very intentionally, but also create different habits in, your, um, in kind of your patterns of life where you're giving them key things, key phrases, and you're repeating them over and over to them at different times. Um, so like we'll say to them, hey, how much do I love you today? Well, they know. They, they, they instinctively say so much. Well, I want them to hear that so much that when uh, we go to the, you know, to the, when they're at that place where they're going, man, do they really love me? There's not going to be any question because they've heard it so, uh, so many times. And so create <coughs> habits um, uh, where you continually say that. Uh, in one uh, rough patch with Easton, uh, Christine, I was gone that night, and she was putting him to bed, and, and she said, you know, Easton, I love you so much, and he, he said this, he said, and this was after, like, a really bad day, and, and he said, uh, but does daddy still love me? And uh, it was a good reminder for me, you know, I, I need to continually let him know, no matter what, this love is unconditional. You could never do anything that would take away my, uh, my love for you. So, yeah, so that's number five. Um, we covered about half the book tonight, um, so it goes into school, it goes into some things with older kids, all sorts of different things, so um, might be one you want to check out if, um, if any of this uh, resonates with you. So, Christina, why don't you pray for us, and then uh, we, need to, we need to let you out, okay? Um, God, thank you so much for who you are, and what a reminder all of our kids are of how desperate we are for you and how much we need you, and um, God, that 
on our own as parents, um, that is, that's scary to even consider. And we're so grateful, God, that you are always with us and that you long to guide us and that, God, you model for us a perfectly he- a perfect heavenly father. And, God, we pray that you would um, enable us to be great parents to our kids and to love them well and to love them in a way that shows them who you are. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, babe. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.